Happy Work, Happier Life, episode 25. Thomas Wong here from Happier with Marie Claire Lim Moore, CEO of TransUnion Hong Kong. Today we discuss the company culture, what it's like working in TransUnion, her career path across the world through multiple multinational corporations in finance, advice for finding quality mentors, and tips and advice for career family balance. If you're interested, tune in for this podcast. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Can you give us a quick intro about yourself? Sure, Thomas. So um, I'm Claire Lim and I'm CEO of TransUnion Hong Kong. Uh, I came on board here about six months ago, but I've had a background in consumer banking and payments from um, the US, uh, Latin America, most recently Asia. So Singapore and then Hong Kong now for the past five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. What brought you to TransUnion and to Hong Kong, actually? How did you end up? What's your career path like? Right. Yeah. So I think uh, I'd always been interested in a global career. And um, I went to the United Nations School in New York City. And uh, there, City City was a big bank that uh, always looked like it had a lot of global opportunities. Uh, my family had immigrated from the Philippines. And uh, I had always dreamed about going to work in the Philippines one day and look for companies that could provide that opportunity. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into banking. Mm. Um, and City was a great training ground just in terms of knowing the ins and outs of banking. So I did a program there that allowed me to kind of be a personal banker for one month then a branch manager and kind of do everything so I could really understand um, how it works. And I had an opportunity to do that in Sao Paulo, wow. um, Miami, Manila. So that was kind of, uh, you know, got to realize my dreams there, spend time with my grandparents um, before mm -hmm. they passed. And then um, got back to New York, but continued to stay now very interested in kind of consumer banking, payments, lending. So I stayed in that space. And um, in Brazil, I met my husband. So we were both doing a management training there. And uh, I think because we were both in Brazil, we, we knew we had these kind of international aspirations. And then the next place for us was Singapore. So we moved there together, both with City. Mm. Um, so I did get to kind of continue staying in this space. Uh, and we did, so I was with City for about 15 years. And um, at that point, he got a great opportunity to come to Hong Kong. Uh, and when uh, we had that uh, chance, it was time for me to kind of look at, uh, at other opportunities as well. And I came across uh, a, an opportunity at Visa, so heading up consulting uh, and analytics. And that's what really, I think I was always in the banking space, but that really got me into uh, data and information and how, how much and how powerful uh, that was, how that could help kind of consumers, how that could help businesses and communities. And so when this came up at TransUnion to lead the business here, uh, I was familiar, of course, with the space, with the lending space. And I think being from uh, the U.S. and Canada, I knew about TransUnion as well. And also it filled some gaps that both from City and Visa, from a data side, we never had. So that was kind of what brought me into, into TransUnion. And now it's been, yeah, six months later. That's amazing. Such an international experience. <laughs> So I'm curious, was it really different between consumer banking and consulting data analytics, or was there a lot of overlap between the two? Well, I think um, there was, in terms of, because data, a lot of it is, it's really the use cases. And I think being from a consumer banking background, you really got to see it from 
um, from the business side, but also as a consumer. And I think to be able to understand both, that really helped just to to really get the power uh, of data and how information insights, you know, can really kind of take us further. And do you have any advice for maybe fresh grads, young professionals who are interested in pursuing an international career like yourself? Are there any tips and tricks that people can use to try and get around the world and explore? Well, I do. <laughs> We're talking about this now and I guess to be topical, but travel, of course, now has become you know just a, quite a different story from let's say, 15, 20 years ago when I was uh, going down that path. But uh, in many ways, you know, we, we had someone come speak, um, a former colleague of mine, and he did say that while the world is getting physically smaller, it's getting digitally larger. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have quite as many opportunities to use all of the um, the technology, you know, to kind of get ahead and pave my way. So it probably wouldn't be as... Um, applicable some of the things I did, <laughs> I mean, dating myself. But I do think now uh, there are a lot of things um, I've been seeing people able to do, uh, people I mentor in Brazil, being able to join like Zoom mm -hmm. sessions that are taking place in Asia that they otherwise would never be able to do. Or maybe they'd call in, dial in, but it was just different. So now they can kind of engage with chat, ask a question, kind of get themselves more known, even in the in a kind of cross-border space. So I think really taking advantage of those things today um, can help people starting out. Do you think if you had access to all of this uh, technology that allowed you to cross borders virtually, would you have still traveled as much as you did? <laughs> I know, it's interesting. I mean, it is hard to think about, but I'd like to think so. <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, you might even be exposed to maybe more places that you wouldn't have thought of before. So, mm. bef you know, Prior to that, I was kind of following where the head, you know, exactly where like the mainstream headlines were going. And at that time, it was all about, they called it BRIC, like the economies, the Brazil, Russia, yeah. India. Um, and so you'd kind of do that. Whereas now I think there's just so much exposure um, to everything out there and not just your, also, I had to rely on who recruited at my school, kind of that that process. Whereas now I, I do think the opportunities are kind of boundless for for younger people which make it harder for uh I think to uh, to attract you know the most talented um mm -hmm. young people because there's so many options. And speaking of international experiences and in companies, I know TransUnion is quite international. Can you share more on what exactly TransUnion does, your mission and what it's like working in TransUnion like the work culture, working yeah. environment? Sure. So we're a global information insights company. And, you know, our legacy is as a credit reporting agency. Um, and I think, like I said, the power of that data, but combined with all the new technology out there has really put us in this um, position when we can provide the best solutions and most relevant solutions for um, what started out as the lending community, but has now kind of expanded since to, to different sectors. Um, the TransUnion culture has been quite exciting for me. So I actually have, um, I've spent time at a number of multinational so City and then Visa. Um, and City was 300,000. You know, I think when I joined, Visa was about 15,000. And then now at TransUnion, I think it's about 8,000. Um, and that actually to me has made it very cool because you still have this, um, you know, global company to leverage, you know, big 
kind of financially strong, growing company, but at the same time, you're much closer, you know, to the pulse. So from, you know, for myself, I'll just, I find myself on some of these, these calls with, you know, directly with the kind of senior leadership team of TransUnion, um, which I think helps me be able to communicate the most relevant messages uh, with the team here. So we're really instilling kind of that uh, culture around openness and transparency. And I think that is the the best way to kind of get people engaged and tied into to what they're working on. I mean, for the audience, they can't say this, <laughs> but this new office you moved into is beautiful. It's yeah. super open layout. There's a yoga exercise room, a pool or a foosball table. So is that contributing to the culture you're trying to grow and uh, nourish? Yes, definitely. I mean, and I, yeah, completely to be candid, we ha- it's beautiful. Uh, we are gradually opening up, but still we're at about 25% capacity. Mm-hmm. So haven't gotten to see it's just <laughs> everyone kind of thrive in this space. I know it's going to happen and I can't wait for that. Um we were in the same office since I think it was 1981 previously, just the tower over. And I think, um, you know, it, the, the team did as much as they could in terms of building still a transformational culture. Um, but, you know, actually there's things that physical space does allow you to do better. So a space like this, we can actually engage more with customers and bring them in and co-create. And we actually couldn't do that before. So it definitely adds to what we want to do from a business and opportunity perspective, and then also adds to what we want to build from a culture. Can you expand more on the culture? Um, What is it like for, say, employees who are just joining TransUnion versus more senior employees is it really different or do they get a lot of time to interact with each other what what's it like day to day yeah i mean i do think it's different um and you know i guess a specific example i can think of is you know um and i had previously i've done a lot of mentoring and worked with younger um kind of talent and so at some of the newer companies let's just say like a facebook or a google but people are so excited to celebrate you know their whatever, one year Facebook versary or, you know, these <laughs> kinds of things or two years or this and that. And um, so I remember m- mentioning that here um, with uh, some of the more tenured <laughs> folks. And I didn't think the idea was, wow, no, but we would only really do that at five years or 10 years or 15 years. <laughs> I'm like, well, in this market, it is changing. So that can be, you know, a while. So I think there's a little bit of transition there just with, um, the current kind of uh, not just job market, but talent and outlook. Um, And so it's different, but I think people are kind of embracing that change and what it brings. And what does it take to work in TransUnion? If someone's interested in, or maybe we can take a step back. Do you have any advice for people applying to financial sector generally and afterwards specifically for TransUnion? Yeah. Well, I do. Okay. So for financial sector in general, I think it is one um, that's at this point in time that there's so much disruption and most of it fintech related. So for a while, financial services, you know, had been this well-oiled machine and you could, what made you successful last year would make you successful this year. And you would, you'd keep going down that path. Um, In recent years, just uh, with technology and with disruption, uh, things that have given more options, convenience, um, choice, you know, to consumers out there, 
it has, in fact, forced uh, the financial sector to also kind of get on board with that, think differently about how we interact with customers and with businesses. So it's it's quite uh, an exciting time, I think, for the industry. So for um, yeah, younger talent kind of coming in, I think there could be a traditional view of what a bank or an insurance company, for that matter, you know, could look like. But I think it's definitely changing. Um, so there's there's a lot of opportunity. For TransUnion, we certainly fall into that. I mean, I think there are buzzwords out there like big data, mm-hmm. and, you know, data is the new oil and yeah, a lot of this where, so I feel quite privileged to work in this space that's kind of changing the world as much as it is. And so I think uh, in terms of qualities or coming into some place like TransUnion, you do have to be ready to embrace that kind of huge transformation that's taking place. Um, and I think I do think the younger kind of uh, talent or generation, but is, is ready to do so. So it makes it quite a good fit. You know, I think at this point, um, over 50 percent of our team here in Hong Kong are millennials. Um, yeah. And I think that uh that's nicely in line with how we're trying to grow. So you mentioned huge transformation. When you're meeting a potential candidate who may join TransUnion, how how can they demonstrate that in their in their application, their CV, in their interview? What what are some points that they can share that demonstrate that okay, they belong here, they are all for the transformation, for innovating and for the the culture. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I think, um, so do you mean coming from a previous job or more the experience would be school and both? both. Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. so I think just um, kind of early career days, but there are already, you know, there's a lot of examples of, uh, examples of how people can change processes or challenge the status quo or take on, uh, you know, a, a, a new project, kind of lead without direct authority. You know, these kinds of skills, um, I think, do reflect uh, uh, qualities that will make you thrive here. Um, and then I think kind of coming out of school, it is it is looking at just the outlook and um, also where, you know, where they see kind of the industry going, demonstrating what they were interested in doing over, you know, not just their summers, but throughout the year, what... Um, you know, what are they reading? What are they kind of following? Where are they contributing? Okay. And then speaking of financial sectors, how has Trent Union's role been in Hong Kong, specifically in the financial sector? Um, any contributions? How do you work with the more traditional companies yeah. and just the sector as a whole? Yeah, no, I mean, not to toot our own horn. <laughs> and I feel like still six months in, I'm happy to say it without... Uh, yeah, because it, it was obviously done before me, but it's been such a critical backbone in the financial sector in Hong Kong. So being the credit reporting agency, just from that standpoint, um, providing all of the traditional banks and lenders with an ability to make the best um, decisions uh, and also to enable consumers to have access, you know, to their to their credit history and understand kind of the importance of credit health. So that's, you know, that alone I think has been significant. But then most recently, again, transformation in technology, but with the eight virtual banks that that came out um, in the past year, TransUnion has been the way that they've been able to um, do things, open accounts remotely. You know, we have uh, a product, a solution called ID Vision, which allows people to, you know, 
take the photo of their Hong Kong ID and authenticate themselves and do it in a safe and reliable way. And so, you know, very proud of our contributions, you know, in this fintech space as well. Before I jump into more personal questions about your your experiences in the office and out, I wanted to touch a bit on diversity and inclusion. Sure. Um, I mean, you are a female CEO. That's amazing. We met at a women's empowerment event with Christina. Yes. So can you share on what your day-to-day life is in your position, also about maybe the diversity inclusion initiatives TransUnion has been implementing? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's loaded. There's a lot in there. So I'll start with um, kind of day to day, but yeah, from a, so I, I do kind of thrive on doing a lot or keeping busy. And of I course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I love balance. I've always loved kind of balancing career and family and I never, you know, felt or wanted to feel like I had to choose. Um So it's always a matter of kind of carving out time. And so, yeah, so the days are, um, I mean, just to give concrete examples, but it's to to be able to do everything, I kind of added more hours to the day. So my waking up time kind of got earlier and my going to bed time got later. But but, um, I think, yeah, even... My parents, like the kids kind of mentioned like, it doesn't look like Lolo and Lola, our grandparents in Tagalog, um, doesn't look like Lolo and Lola sleep. You know, like they, I think <laughs> I had come from a kind of a high energy <laughs> family. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. And actually the quiet times, you know, starting at like 5 a.m. is about when I wake up and getting to just organize my day. The kids actually wake up um, around 5.45 as well. We're at breakfast by 6.30. Um, we're in the car. Uh, we drop them off at the Canadian school, my husband and I, at um, 6.50. So everything's kind of uh, early and integrated. But I think that is is part of, um, I think, how we make things work. So instead of just having them take the bus, the car ride gives us more time together. Um then after we drop them off, my husband drops me off here at TransUnion TST, and then that gives us some quality time or just catching up on whatever we need to. Then he drives to Kwantong to City, um, you know, and he has time, I think, to listen to his podcast. And so, you know, that, that's just a sample of the mornings, but how kind of you have to integrate a number of things to make it work. So what that does for me in terms of inclusion diversity is just realize that if that's my schedule, um, then I know each person has their own kind of uh, ha- has their own way of of working and has their own have their own things to balance. And I think the flexibility becomes really key. So when I think about um, inclusion and diversity, it's just making TransUnion a place that everyone can thrive, um, that can bring out the best in people, and much of that uh, means allowing people to work the way they work best. It seems you have a lot of activities going on. <laughs> I mean, looking at your LinkedIn and seeing all of your different posts and even in media articles locally, you have written a book, you are on different leadership boards, women empowerment groups. Can you share more on these extracurriculars that you are participating in? Yeah, so I think um, I do, I will prioritize um Still, you know, that's that's narrowed down from everything I would love to do. <laughs> but but yeah, so just like everything else, kind of, 
even in the workplace, you prioritize resources. So in my personal life as well, kind of prioritizing my time is um, there There have to be kind of common themes. And so a big uh, area I'm passionate about is women's empowerment and leadership. And so that tends to be a lot of stuff I make time to do. And then because I'm so passionate about it, yeah, it doesn't feel like it really doesn't feel like work or I have another source of energy for it. So there's quite a bit there. Um, on the book, it was uh, started out as a family memoir. And so that was something that just felt like I was, you know, writing in my journal or doing a family scrapbook. So enjoyed that thoroughly as well. And then it ended up kind of tying into um, it got picked up more as a than more than a family memoir, but as a kind of story about balancing career and family. And I guess didn't realize it, but many of the people in the book did the same. So my mother, grandmother. Um, and so then because of the book, I did a lot of talks around this same topic. So even though there's quite a bit of extracurriculars, there's many kind of pieces that tie it all together. So how how do you balance all your time for other people who are struggling with time management? You seem to have it working for you. So any anything you can share with the rest of us? Well, <laughs> um, yeah, most days I think it, it it is tough. I think a big part of it is it is time management. And so, um, you know, the team knows here. There are certain things I uh, I will do, like um, I yeah this this saying about um, if it gets uh, if it gets measured if you gets tracked it gets measured, and if it gets reported it gets measured even better. So things I like to kind of put out there and hold myself accountable to, I, I will do that. I also think like diarizing things. So really, even if um, I might feel so overwhelmed right now, just a lot going on and this, uh, then I might still say like, but still two weeks from now, I will set up a, or three weeks from now, kind of set up a catch up with, you know, one of these organizations. And at that point, it does, it just, it's on the calendar. So it's going to happen. Whereas I think sometimes people will say like, let me get to it, you know, once things settle mm -hmm. down a bit, but they never do. So I use the calendar, you know, really as a tool to, the calendar kind of becomes a to-do list, you know, for me. So that's one of the tactical things. And how do you balance work and family? I think a lot of us are still trying to juggle these two. Yeah. Any specific tips for that? Um, so that is, yeah, that again, it is all back to kind of time management and integration and um, being able to, you know, the team knows as well. I will like pull my son in to work on a project, you know, for, for the office. It could be oh. for a town hall, but he likes doing um, media type of, of things. So he'll put... The t we want to put together a video for the town hall and I'll have him working on it, but that allows us to spend more time together. So it's kind of looking for those pockets and opportunities, you know, I think um, that helps. But yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's super creative. It's just finding these pockets of time where you can spend time. Yeah. With each other. Yes, definitely. Can you share more on the different organizations you're involved in for those that are interested in participating or helping sure. out? Sure. Yeah. No, I think um, a big one is the Women's Foundation of Hong Kong. So I find that, um, you know, I did a lot of fundraising work for them. And it's um, part of the reason I love this foundation is because they have the uh, 
the career pathing. So they work with a lot of corporates and they have a very established mentoring program um, that's across industries, across Hong Kong. Uh, and the alumni group there is really strong. So definitely something to look into. Then they have... Um, what's called the 30% club, which is about getting more women on board. So that the idea is for board to be truly diverse, you can't just have one female, you need at least 30%. Um, so there are great kind of initiatives. So depending on what stage of career, I think that that's amazing. But then they also do uh, just wonderful grassroots work. So they have a, a program called Girls Go Tech, and that's kind of bringing technology into schools that may not have the resources. So a lot of the there's overlap because their corporates will sponsor these programs, and you know it's a great kind of great organization overall. And then the other one um, I would mention is I'm on the board of Habitat for Humanity, and that I think growing up again in in the the US and Canada but there were always kind of these housing projects um, that were great teamwork but also just the core idea that everyone deserves a you know should have a decent place to live has been something you know I've I've always been passionate about as well I think again going back uh, and forth to the Philippines but seeing underdeveloped countries and poverty in other places the the kind of economic inequality uh, globally is is something that um, I always wanted to uh, get involved with. So Habitat for Humanity International has been big for me. And then here on the ground in Hong Kong, that there's a local chapter. Um, when they asked me to join the board, I was happy to do that. I love Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. The builds are quite fun. Yes, they're really fun. So speaking on um, women's empowerment as a mentor, what are your top three best tips or life lessons for young women or other women trying to climb maybe the corporate ladder or start their own businesses? What what are your lessons? Yeah. I mean, I think the first um, is around, the first is really establishing kind of a, a portfolio of mentors. So, you know, I, I don't think if I reflect, I because people have asked me that before, and I can come up with like one person that was my go-to, you know, mentor. But I did have a lot of people that I went to for different things. And so in in one case, it it can be, you know, your corporate executive and just how she managed herself in the boardroom and, you know, all of this. But then I also looked at someone who was kind of the um a working mother, you know, and it might have she might have not had the the C-suite job, but just how she went about um, kind of balancing time and where she prioritized, um, and then also would have another mentor really a, around how to you know actually <laughs> how to be more direct. I think that was one thing from a female perspective. I was always pretty diplomatic, but um, yeah, just seeing how some men I worked for, but was able to really just get their point across um, and how to do that and make, you know, adapt it to work for me. So I think establishing that earlier on in my career, I wish I was even earlier on, but yeah, as I'm talking um, and giving advice to, to those who are younger, but is that to always just look for um, different, you know, different things to learn from different people. So I think someone used the term like stealing their Wi-Fi. <laughs> so you don't even have to say, like, can you mentor me? But it's just a relationship you can build and what you can, well, what you can give and what you can take away. Um, yeah. So the, the crude term was like kind of stealing their Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> How does one go about finding a, a good mentor for them? 
Yeah, I mean, I you do have to put yourself out there. And I think so what what happened anyway when I was I was earlier stages of my career, but people would get so involved in um in what they were doing and in the company and internal stuff. But it's uh, like the external is becomes really important. And obviously, as an entrepreneur, you're all, all, all the time kind of out there and networking. I think when you're climbing the corporate ladder, you tend to you tend to get stuck within your organization. You might do it that way. But yeah, looking for things outside of um, your, your company is, is, is pretty key in my mind. So we spoke to a few other female leaders in the community, and they shared some stories about facing some adversity while climbing the corporate ladder. Do you have any experiences you can share with us and how you overcame them and advice for others? Yeah, I mean, um, if I if I think about some, I guess there is this, um, yeah, I, there there is this idea that uh, leadership looks a certain way, and I think you know, I think those it's changing. So I don't know how much of my advice is dated <laughs> or not, but I'm just going to go with it. But um, yeah, certainly when I started out, my uh, bosses, like female bosses, but would you know, kind of almost try to like dress like men and behave, you know, think they had to behave like a, like a guy as well. Um, and it didn't, for some, for some, it might've been natural, but others, it was really unauthentic. And I think that, um, shows, you know, but, but uh, it's very hard when you're kind of building up your profile, you're trying to be a certain way and that, that people can fall into that trap. So I think I did as well. Like there were certain things I just want to do because I thought I, I should say so, or act a certain way, um, dress a certain way. But I think um, the, the the big part for me was once I really embraced kind of my way of um, my, my way of leading, my way of dressing, my way of speaking, then you really become the best version of yourself. But that was, yeah, that was one of those things I learned a little bit later. I think it's great advice. How How can other successful women empower others? So people in leadership roles who want to give back to the community and help younger women, do you have any anything you can share for that for that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's like some structured ways you can do it through programs, like through mentoring programs or um or others. But then there are just things uh that can happen all the time. So I I think the term is like corridor coaching. So um just kind of when you pass people, this is again in an environment where people are working in offices, but like a after a meeting or uh, just to be able to quickly like give someone feedback right away on whether their presentation, something they delivered um, and to do it without having to like schedule time. Because I think sometimes feed feedback is the most important thing. People don't always get to it because they think they need to like wait for a mid-year review or mm. at least like schedule a during their monthly one-on-one. -on -one. But um, but yeah, I think I love the idea of corridor coaching because it's a way to just be able to continue uh, that feedback with people in an informal way. And the more data points people have, you know, the more that can help. So that's kind of another tactical way. It's always about data points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My last question for you is, where can people learn more and connect with you, learn more about TransUnion, what you're doing, all the great stuff? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think we have been doing, um, you know, the marketing team has been doing a particularly great job of putting us out um, out there most recently. We've and it was not by us creating any more content. It's things we, you know, we have 
very unique visibility on the Hong Kong market. And uh, so we have been looking at it ourselves and even publishing, but not um, kind of sharing it as broadly. And so I think, yeah, LinkedIn right now is a great way. I mean, for myself and for TransUnion um, to share that. Uh, I do think we do, we continue to have webinars ongoing, kind of um, summits and all these different ways to kind of connect. So that's, that's probably, um, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today, Claire. We really appreciate it. Very welcome. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you.